back to the Para Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra. I hope that you are having a terrific, sunshiny day. I feel like spring is around the corner, and the weather has definitely been telling us that spring is around the corner. I don't know if it's getting a little warmer where you are, but we've definitely been seeing a lot more sun and warmer temperatures, so super excited about that. And today we are going to be joined by Ada. She is a Polish verb fluencer, and she works with ParrotPlanet.pl, which is the largest, I think, parrot store, parrot online store in all of Poland. She's also written different books on parrots and parrot behavior. She has her own toy line called Parrot Disaster, and she has a very diverse flock of her own. She's got a lot of birds, and we're going to chat with her about training and diet and foraging and some fun parrot facts and just so much more. She's got an African gray, which is a powder bird, so I'm keen to know about her experience experiences having an African gray and jardines. I hope I'm saying that right. And she's got a few different um, jardines in her flock as well. So we're going to chat with her about what it's like to have such a big flock at home and pick her brain on all things parrots. So let's jump in and talk with Ada. Awesome. I have <laughs> coffee in my little toucan mug. We've got tea, we've got water, and we are ready to jump in. And I'm so excited to have you on the Parrot Podcast. Welcome. So my first question to get us started is to everybody who's listening, tell us about your flock and how many birds you have, their species, their names, and their ages. All right. So uh, we have six parrots. uh, So it will be a long answer. Um, first was Booba. Uh, she is a jardine parrot, a lesser one. Uh, she's uh, seven years old in two weeks. Um, she doesn't have a part of her leg. Uh, that's why I adopted her in the ivory when I was working. It was an accident. Um, her leg band was uh, uh, like crushed into the mesh and uh, the whole uh, foot was uh, like in pieces. So uh, she had four amputations and she was very scared of guys because a guy uh, was a veterinarian and um, and she was uh, like into into women more. Uh, right now it's great. Um, that's why uh, because uh, of this accident and uh, because of those birds who tried to kill her, I didn't want to take another parrot. But I did eventually, and the six more, six more. Uh, but um, yes, with her it was very dramatic, and uh, that was my first parrot, so I made many mistakes. Um, second parrot, uh, it's like the twin. It's Kaiko and Kokosh, also jumping parrot. Uh, the greater one. Uh, they will be three years old this year. Um, I call them monkeys, you know, because they are like <laughs> flying, flying demons. Uh, I've never saw such crazy parrots as, as those. <laughs> I, I know why they were adopted. <laughs> because uh, nobody can be prepared for, for this type of chaos, you know? Nobody. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Uh, like the screaming, the, the noise, the what they are, they can 
do with uh, all the things, you know, they can just play uh, around uh, the doors, the furniture, the, the ceilings, they can hang up from the ceiling, I don't know how. So, um, like, yes, these are demons. Um, the fourth, fourth is Arya, she will be also two years old. That was also the dramatic story because she was adopted with clipped wings without a tail and uh, she was a little savage because um, she was scared of humans and when you were given a food to them, uh, to, to her, uh, she was like hissing uh, and you have to stand from a meter away from her. Uh, right now, she's my lovely queen. Um, really lovely queen. Uh, she is uh, every day coming to me to to get some scratches, and this is the, my biggest uh, um, like uh, thing I did with parrots here. I'm so happy about her. Um, then was Carol, African Grey. He's uh, in my age, thirty one. So uh, we are just like partners. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. How long do African yes. greys live for? Like 60, can be 80 even. So I wish we could get all together. I hope so. But I'm not sure because the first 30 years of his life, they were not so good. Uh, he was um, he had a great home, uh, probably, with a guy. But this guy died. Um, and he was uh, with this lady who was living there. And uh, she didn't like cattle, so she closed him in a small cage um, without water and uh, giving, giving him only peanuts and sunflower seeds. So his liver was destroyed when he came to me. Um, this issue with water was also so dramatic because um, this lady who was keeping him she told that, oh, he was throwing away the bowl of the water. So I started just giving him more water. Um, he was just given uh, to make a sip and she was taking it away. Um, when the cattle come to us, uh, he was like attacking me when I wanted to change the water bowl. Um, like two weeks later, he realized that I am always giving back this water. So right now uh, it's great, but sometimes, oh, okay, it's still uh, like some behavior he has. Um, he likes to throw away the water bowl, so he has to have a very heavy one. Oh my gosh. And uh, the last one is Fiona. Fiona is um, brown-winged Fiona's parrot. Aria is a blue-headed Fiona's parrot. I didn't say that. And uh, Fiona is the brown wing, and she is um, five years old. And she was also adopted, like all my parrots. Um, she was uh, very hormonal. She had an implant. She was treating her toys in a very sexual way. Um, and the previous owners, they, they couldn't stop um, making her doing that. Uh, even the implant didn't help. So right now she is in the flock, she is better. Uh, still, she can be hormonal, but um, she learned to forage. Finally, after our first month, she was waiting in the cage for uh, food and waiting for the food. She didn't know how to forage. Right now, she's great at foraging. So um, I hope she's no better. So this is my vlog. Uh, six adopted, crazy, um, dramatic parrots. <laughs>
That's, yeah, that's so, why we are a disaster. <laughs> though, <laughs> that all makes sense now. Why it's called parrot disaster. <laughs> your toy line yeah. is called parrot disaster and your Instagram page, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's our, so that's this brings me, uh, so my next question is how far apart did you adopt each of them? Like, did you adopt them oh. all kind of like close together or was it? years or months in between each adoption um first was booba and she was with me for two years old uh, alone with me but i was so scared to take another carrot you know the flock uh, in the aggary wanted to kill her and she was unconscious uh, without this uh, this uh, part of the of her food so she was very nervous around birds. Like um, she could attack a macaw, and she did. And um, that that kind of nervous, yes. Uh, because uh, when I was working in Ivory, I tried to uh, make her socialize more with birds. And if some bird was, for example, sick, I need to go to the vet. I was taking that bird to my home, and she was so socializing with those birds. Um, once we had a Macau with broken wing and I was taking her to, to the vet and she was sleeping in our house uh, and Buba attacked her, um, a Macau. So it was uh, no fear for her. She was that scared that she didn't think even about the, the size of the parrot or anything. Um, and she was attacking all the parrots I was bringing home. Uh, but it was getting less and less. So I decided maybe one day, maybe, but not yet. Um, but after three years of being alone with me, I was uh, taking her to my university to work every day, everywhere, because she was sitting alone for like 12 hours even sometimes. So I decided to take her with me. Um, but then my um, ex-fiance um, appeared and she got depressed. Mm, she didn't want to go out from um, her place to her uh, playground area. She stopped eating. Uh, her father started to be in black, more black. And I was so scared that she will start blocking um, herself uh, finally. So uh, I decided, all right, it's time. It's time for a second parrot. And we had a very big luck because um, like 60 kilometers away from us, there was a boy, a darling boy. So we took him. Uh, at first glance, it was amazing. Uh, she was into him. He was into her. Uh, it, it seemed to be perfect. But um, Rico, uh, he escaped. That's why I'm not talking about him. Uh, he was a part of the flock, and he uh, was younger than her. And he really wanted to play, really. And she was so scared of him. She didn't know that uh, why he wants to play, what is playing, what is he doing to her. And um, she panicked every time. So Rico started to be aggressive to her. Uh, so we had a problem. Uh, you know, everyone is saying, oh, check another parrot. You've got two parrots. It's always better than having one. Yeah, maybe. But it's not so easy, and no, no, no one is talking about what is going on in the house when you took the second parrot. Yeah. Um, we had that problem uh, because Buba, when I was going out, Buba was sitting on the chairs um, under the table all day because she was so scared to go out uh, because Rico was there. So I had to separate them. 
but then my friend uh, told me that she wants to um, adopt her two boys, Darwin's boys. And I said, oh, okay, we will take them. <laughs> and then that was a great time. We had four Jardines. Uh, Rico started to play with, uh, with boys and left Buba alone. And Buba had that place to watch maybe what guys are doing, not interrupt, but only watch. And that was perfect. And then Rico escaped. Mm. So, um, Buba was first, three years later was Rico, and after two years of this unfortunate uh, bonding with Rico and Buba, I took uh, Kaiko and Kokosh, uh, my boy, and then was better, but Rico escaped. So, uh, when, when I was uh, with those boys and Buba, I realized that boys, okay, they are good, but they do not interact with Booba. So I decided to take another parrot just to make maybe a bigger flock. Maybe she will eventually find someone to like. Uh, so we took uh, Arya like uh, one month after Rico escaped. And then it was uh, like some kind of uh, ride. A uh, month later was Carol, African Grey, and month later it was Fiona. Like a lot of people uh, just uh, asked me, hey, do you maybe want to adopt my bird? Because, uh, you know, I'm not getting good with him. And I was like, give it to me. <laughs> Take him. Give them all to uh, me. <laughs> so, yes, yes. And right now we've got six, and this is absolutely enough for this apartment. I am done. <laughs> yeah, they're taking over your apartment, and I can see it in the background. Yes, that's crazy. That's really crazy. I, I, I was just wondering today, what did I do with my life? <laughs> yeah, I think that every parent owner, once they grow a big flock, they start to ask themselves, why did I make these decisions? <laughs> Yes, and how? How? Yeah, when, when did this even happen? <laughs> I wanted to ask you about Baba. Did I say his name? Yes. Um, when he Buba. attacked the macaw, Buba. Buba. Yes. yes. When he Buba. attacked the macaw, was the the macaw in a cage, or they were out in no. your apartment? Uh, yes. Um, she because it was she. She was out and uh, she was after the surgery uh, with this broken wing and I had to change the um, bandage. Yeah. Uh, so I, I took her to the bed and Buba just realized that the bed belongs to her so no other bird can sit on the bed. So she flew into that Macau and started, you know, rushing uh, with uh, with wings, screaming, and Macau got scared. I got scared. Oh my gosh, I was uh, dramatic. But yes, oh she gosh. can attack Macau, and that was that not only once. Um, when I was working in Ivory, I was taking her with me to my job, and I had um, a Macau, um, Harlequin Macau. So you can imagine how big is that parrot. And my yeah. booba uh, is like the half uh, size of this beak that this harlequin macaw has. But my booba has no problem with attacking this bird. Oh my gosh. So did you get to a point where you realized that booba doesn't like other birds, so I need to keep booba separated so that booba isn't hurting other birds and potentially getting hurt themselves? Because if a macaw 
got angry at Booba and fought back, then something could have really happened to Booba. Yes. 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 And I didn't even uh, think about that. Uh, that kind of parrot, small one, would uh, want to attack a Macau. I didn't know that. Uh, I was my first years of working with parrots. And now I know that the size doesn't matter. It's just the personality. I saw... Uh, green chick corners attacking Moluccan cockatoos. I saw lorikeets attacking cockatoos. I saw uh, when the green chick corners could even kill uh, bigger parrots. So I know that the size doesn't matter, that personality is the most important thing because uh, the small bird can be just like the big one uh, if he's angry. And uh, yeah. what I saw also, also that the small birds like loricats or green cheeks can just attack uh, in the pack. They don't attack um, alone. They can make a pack and then attack one bird. So um, I didn't know that my booba was that traumatized. I know that she was, but I didn't want her to be alone with me because when my ex-fiance just came up, I saw that I cannot make that time for her. Uh, we were spending all my years together. Like you said, I, I said, on the university, my job, I was taking her on my uh, vacation. She was, uh, uh, she was even swimming with me in the Baltic Sea. She was on the harness uh, on, the, on my head. And I was like, you know, not much water, but I wanted to go to water and she was sitting on my head. And I was like, Booba, we are pirates. Um, she was everywhere with me, but I couldn't make that time for her for that long. Uh, I, I wanted to have my own life. So uh, I had to do something to make her not be that much traumatized uh, as she was. And uh, right now it's uh, three years um, with with bigger flock, but two years in the very big flock. She was with Rico, but I am counting like she's now uh, in the flock. And now it's very much progress. I see that uh, in more birds, the more she is open, the more she is brave. And um, yes, I think that is the most important thing. She had to be brave, uh, brave enough to, to interact with them because before she was that um, unsure uh, that maybe some bird will attack her or make something to her that she was not even starting the interactions. Uh, she was that afraid that she stopped thinking. Uh, about any anything about uh, the second bird. So um, when I saw that she had the time to watch my birds, watch the flock, what they are doing, what they're playing, even the sounds. She, I didn't know the jardin sounds until I've got Kaiko and Kokosh. Buba doesn't have that sound of the species. Uh, she had something like, scream, I'm gonna kill your head. Uh, this is that kind of scream. And, um, a jardine yeah. has that kind of sound? Uh, no, she has. Uh, she doesn't know the sound of her, her species. So uh, when Kaiko and Kokos appeared, um, they started to, you know, talk in their language and Buba starts to listen. And I saw that she is connecting something in her mind, like, okay, this sounds it means this, this sound means this. And she even started to talk to them like, like in her own 
strange language, but she started and she talked to them. So it's like, okay, she wanted to interact. And yesterday she was sleeping on the same uh, swing uh, as boys. So this is uh, the biggest, uh, you know, thing she ever made uh, on the same swing with other parrots. Like that's progress. 20, that's 20 centimeters away from the other parrots. It's been three years. That's a long time. And this is very hard because she's really, really stubborn. She was panicking alone and every time. I've got many ideas about how to make this place for her too. And you see, this is the area for birds. And here is the area for her that can be uh... close to us, but she can watch them here. Um, also, she has uh, the playground on... Um, on the corridor so she's like close to the flock but when she wants to go out she can uh, go out and have some peace you know like she's not uh she's not used to have the still contact with other birds so she sometimes needs to go uh, she's going to the closet and then she's sleeping and when she's done and she wants to interact she comes to the living room. So I left her a choice when she want to be with us and when she's not want to be with us. And I saw that given her that choice uh, made uh, the biggest progress. Yeah, I think that actually offering our pets choices is so important for them to be able to choose, to have that independence. And I've talked about this mm -hmm. in the past, how I always give our dog choices. I give Mia choices. Like I let them choose what they want to do. Or even like when it comes to meals, like if uh, Mia wants, if we're training, like I'll let her choose her treats sometimes. If I'm feeding yeah, Lambo, yeah. our dog, I'll let him choose. Do you want beef today or do you want lamb today? So I think it's important to offer them choices so that they can have that independence and really be able to have that like sense of self of like, I get to yes, choose what yes. I want. Uh, I see that every time on my consultations. Uh, it's the, I think the biggest issue that the people doesn't, that, that don't understand that parrot have to have this uh, independence uh, and what we do at home we get the food you've got the food here always here always yeah. the same uh you cannot choose anything here yeah. uh, you go to cage that's not your choice uh you want a bath sometimes it's even not the choice of the parrot i've got this problem very 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 often and i was thinking what is going on with this bath of course, people use the spray with water to um, punish parrots. That's the first thing. But also, uh, we don't we do not offer the um, ability to bath. We just took the spray and okay, it's time for bath. And what we have to do is just to make this environment ready for the bath. And I was uh, teaching one cockatoo uh, two years ago how to bath, and that was amazing seeing that cockatoos uh, eventually open up because um, I made a music a video like rainforest, uh, like some noises from, uh, from the storm. And I was going with that spray, but I was not watching and looking at the parrot at all. I was just going with the spray. I was imagining that I am in the rainforest. And uh, finally, that cockatoo, seeing us doing this one, two, three, uh, four times, uh, decided to bath. And that was uh, her choice, not mine. I was just offering these conditions to bath. 
And this is the most important thing. We don't have to make Parade do anything. We, we cannot, because it will be sooner or later some problems. I don't have cages. Uh, yes, it would be very good when you are not working at home, just like me, uh, or you have uh, like TVs and other uh, stuff that can be eaten or destroyed by parrots. Uh, but uh, when I see that my parrot doesn't have cage, I see that, that they are free as much as they can be free in the captivity. Um, sometimes we also have ivory, like in the balcony. So um, sometimes I open the balcony and I'm saying, okay, do you want to go out or not? And in the winter, they want to go out. I don't want to open that balcony, but they uh, scream and they want to go out. And so I open the door and they go have fun in, in the snow. But this is their choice, not mine. Yeah. Uh, I'm just sitting in the blankets and getting cold because they are outside. <laughs> yeah. I And your balcony, you have like a netted area. So they obviously can't escape for anybody who's listening. The, you have a net that goes from the top and yes. all the way down. And then yes. you have perches yes. set up so that they can go outside and enjoy the sunshine and the fresh air. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I love this. Because it is really important for them to have choices. I mean, we get to choose what we eat, you know, what we drink, when we go to sleep, when we have a shower. And yes, our yes. birds, our pets are also individuals. And we need to treat them as such and make sure that we're offering them those choices as well. So I love uh that. Awesome. And because we were talking so much about Booba, Booba is a Jardine yes. parrot, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I wanted to ask that, uh, I wanted to go back to what you were mentioning in the beginning. You said that um, when you first had Booba, you were bringing other birds home and caring yes. for them. Were you fostering these birds before they went to like a better home or what was your role with these birds? We were working in ivory that people could, could come to the oh, ivory. Okay. And uh, of course we, we've got, We've got that uh, small hospital uh, in our uh, area, but um, it was very difficult for the workers to you know take care of the birds in the ivory, taking care of the clients. So I was saying, okay, if you don't have time, I can bring the parrot home. If I have two oh, days okay. off, I can just take this parrot for two days. Um, you know, change uh, change bandages or um, add some um, droplets. <laughs> Droplets? Uh, the, uh, yes, Medicine? droplets. Droplets. Yes, droplets to, to ice. We've got that uh, issues too. So uh, I was just taking care of them for like a few days and they were coming okay. back to the ivory. And my boobah has uh, still this contact with them. So my question with that is, because I think that anybody who's listening might be wondering, is whenever you're bringing another bird home and you have a bird at home, you always want to take them to the vet to get disease tested, do blood work, make yes. sure they're healthy. And then once you get the green light from the avian vet that they're healthy, it's still yes. recommended to do a quarantine and keep the birds separate because avian diseases, as we know, can spread very fast. So what were you doing to ensure that Booba doesn't get sick or you know, get something from any of these birds that you were bringing home to care for them? 
uh, it was more like injuries, not like uh, infections, uh, bacterial oh, okay. infections or uh, viruses infections. It was like, you know, a uh, broken leg, uh, like broken okay. wing uh, with this Macau. Uh, some birds have problems with eyes, like it was small infection in the eye because uh, it was a wound in the eye. So I knew that Bubar cannot have that okay. uh, because, you know, because that wasn't virus. And she was also from this ivory. I was adopting her from this ivory. Okay. So, so she was with those other birds. Of course, I tested birds uh, on the uh, PBFD, every bird that uh, is coming to our flock is tested. Um, also, we provide some kind of hotel um, for birds. Uh, we also want the bird to be tested before coming with other birds. I also really uh, want that disinfection. I always uh, wash my dreadlocks. <laughs> Yeah. Or even just to have um, something on my head um, that I didn't have to wash my dreadlocks. I change always uh, clothes, uh, shoes and everything. And um, before um, coming home from other ideas, I always get washed just to yeah. be sure that my birds are okay. Okay, gotcha. Okay, so since we're talking about Booba, I wanted to ask you one more question. Um, in regards to him being traumatized, because you talked about how he was really traumatized and it took you so many years to make progress with him through his trauma. So for the people that are listening and they've adopted a bird or they're in the process of adopting a bird who has trauma, what are your like top tips of how to work with a bird that has trauma and help them through the trauma? First of all, we have to uh, observe the parrot and realize how big that trauma is. Because you can think that, oh, this bird is afraid of something, but it can be really traumatized of something. And um, the first thing we have to do is to observe, just to be slow and not rush and not do things that we wanted to do. Uh, just like more give parrots opportunity to, okay, do you want a food maybe? Or do you want to be in the cage? Okay, be in the cage. I will leave you alone. That is very important. Um, but sometimes birds uh, got trauma, like um, not from people, but from being neglected, just neglected, yeah. uh, left alone for years, just like Carol was left alone. Um, How long was Carol he, left alone? Three years. He was sitting three years in that cage that he could not even open his wings without water. I I don't know how he's not plucked. I don't know how he's not nervous. Uh, he's like really amazing bird. Uh, he's very brave, very open, energetic. Con he, he's very like, he likes to contact with people. Uh, I don't know how is that possible after those years, uh, those three years that we know that he was uh, caged because uh, three years ago uh, this um, owner died and that lady was uh, sitting with him for three years and she didn't even want to give him back uh, to to like, you know, to living, to living room, to, to have contact with him. She just pushed him away to another room like the old toy from old husband. Oh my gosh. So um so trauma can be very different. Um yeah. Buba was traumatized of birds and I had to give her that chance to give her space. 
she was deciding, okay, I want to be one meter away from one parrot, or I want to be in another room because I don't want to be in that room with this parrot. Uh, so you have to see how, um, how birds react for your decisions. And then you have to left bird for making his own decisions. Um, and this is, I think, the most important thing because when we treat the parrot in the uh, in the way that we want to be treated, like another uh, sensitive emotional being, then we have the chance to be successful. But when we think that parrot is like a stupid bird, you know, uh, there is a Polish uh, saying that um, if someone has a bird's brain, it's stupid. That's really sad. And yeah. a lot of people think that birds are stupid. And they are even less intelligent than dogs or cats. And what a surprise! And so when we um, when we give the parrot this opportunity to have that emotions, the space for those emotions, and we understand what is going on, we are slow uh, with this um, building trust, and we are not rushing. I think then we have this uh, chance to be successful with parrots. Yeah, I think you make a lot of really good points because we have to have a really slow approach, especially when you're bringing a new bird home, we get so excited and we yeah. want them to interact with us right away. And we want yes. them to love us and we want to be able to hold them in our yes. hands and do all of these different things. But that's why we talk about this. It's because parrots are very complex. They're very intelligent and scientists and people that are out on the field that are studying these parrots, they have realized that parrots have the intelligence of like a five-year-old, even a five-year-old human yes. child. So, you know, they are very smart and <clears throat> they understand a lot and they learn very quickly. They pick things up very quickly. And so even though when we bring a bird home and we want to interact with them right away, that to them is scary, especially because they are prey animals. They're not predators. Yes. So when you come at yes. them really quickly and you're excited, it's a lot for yes. them. And so they can freak out. They can bite. They can retreat. They might not want to come out of their cage. And so I love the points that you made that we need to be really patient with them. We need to look at them as these individuals who are very smart and we need to take things slow. We need to give them those choices in order to build trust and to bond with them. And another thing I want to add in there is diet because oh, especially when we're adopting or rescuing a, birds, yeah, yes, diet is so important and it's important for their health. It's important for their feathers. It's important for their minds. It's important for them physically. It's important for behaviors and for so many different things, yes. which reminds me, you were talking how cattle, your African gray was being fed yes. peanuts and seeds for three years. Yes. And when he came to you, his liver was destroyed. So yes. can you share with us, how did you do diet conversion with cattle to get him off of peanuts and seeds? And what did you do to help him get his liver back to functioning in a good way? Mm, that was uh, easy, easier than uh, I was thinking it would be. Um, because uh, I knew about those three years on peanuts and sunflower seeds, but I knew anything about those 70, uh, 27 years before. So uh, when I was uh, starting to give him a lot of fruits, because I always start with fruits, they are sweet. 
So uh, yeah. we started with Birds fruits. love fruit. And, <laughs> yes. And he was very, yes, yes, I really love them. Apples, oh, oranges, everything I was giving him, that was great. But fruits. And I was thinking, all right, so you want to have fruits because you have to have fruits in your life. So I started to bake some veggies um like uh, sweet potato like carrots broccoli and we started to bake them mm, they are sweeter of course when they are baked and uh he started to eat them uh it was like uh transitions about two three weeks when he started to do that but that was not my the final uh act because all my parrots eat chopped food um, blended with sprouting seeds. So uh, giving him um, whole pieces of food, it's okay, but it will not be enough. So um, then uh, I was started to give him smaller and smaller pieces. Of course, sometimes he got uh, the bigger, bigger pieces of fruits or veggies. Still, he is having that because I see that he uh, enjoys them. Um, but uh, when he saw that my flock eats the chopped food, uh, he was very uh, frustrated that he doesn't have that. So I came to him with the bowl. Uh, it was his, her his first time when he saw chopped food. Uh, and as I got this bowl to, to a living room and all the birds was on me, just like, ah, there's good food here. And Carol was sitting uh, with the, he's giggling because uh, he's saying some words, but he's more like giggling some something like a, um, a toddler. So, so he was just uh, screaming something um, like "Come here, come here!" And I came to him with this chop food. Uh, he looked at it and immediately started eating. And what I was thinking that the flock gives him that. Um, kind of power and I saw the same with uh, my other birds because Booba she didn't like that kind of food too because when she was alone with me uh, she was uh, eating fruits and no no other things so when I uh, wanted to convert her I was just giving food to the rest of the flock and she was watching and that is a very good um, concept because parrots are um, envy very envy they're egoistic Jealous. they're selfish yes so okay. uh, you have to so you have to make this motivation grow uh if the bird is seeing that so, some other bird has something great and good this bird wanted too it's like like children uh having sweets you have sweets i want sweets too so as we are saying uh, birds are like five-year-old child and uh, we doesn't understand that, I, I think. Uh, on my consultations and what I see on the internet and groups uh, and so on, we don't understand what does it mean to be intelligent? Like how many intelligent animals do you know? Like very intelligent. So it's monkey, dolphin, elephant, um, raven, but how many? of these animals you have ever interact with. Exactly. Like, average Kowalski never ever uh, interact with monkey, elephants, or, or even a raven. Maybe some people just saw like raven in, in the wild, maybe uh, help that raven if, if it was injured, but there's not that kind of interaction I'm talking about. So when we bring home a very intelligent bird, 
intelligent uh, animal, we are thinking about dogs, cats, guinea pigs, uh, canaries, rabbits, like this ferrets. is our, yes, this, yes, this is our thinking like, okay, it can be intelligent, but let's just be human, right? We are the most intelligent and uh, no other uh, animal can be intelligent as us. Okay, but we don't uh, even understand how this intelligent um, work because there is not like intelligence math two plus two it's four no mm -hmm. we are talking about emotional intelligence we're talking about flock intelligence um these creatures are like ours uh like us like we are living in the groups in the families uh, we have um connections with a lot of people and this is making us healthier right with birds is the same so when I see uh, when on my consultations, there is only one bird and 95% of my consultations are birds kept alone. And uh, all my consultations are mostly the same because all their problems are the same. Parrot doesn't know how to be a parrot. Uh, parrot doesn't know how to feel. Parrot doesn't know the place in the flock because uh, the owner is giving the parrot the misunderstanding um, like behaviors. Sometimes uh, the owner is treating parrot like a um, partner, Dog. touching the parrot. Or, yeah. uh, yes, touching the parrot like a, yeah. you know, in sexual way. And the other time uh, you want to be that, uh, you want the parrot to be shut out. So the parrot got very uh, mixed informations from the human yeah. flock. And this is the, the biggest problem because uh, we know that parrots learn, but parrots learn from our behavior. Parrots yeah. know what we are doing. They predict our moves, they predict our behaviors. So if the parrot is learning, why are not we learning? Yeah. And I like that you said that because a lot of times people will not do enough research and educate themselves on having a parrot or what parrots are like. And they see these beautiful, talking, flying, wonderful pets and they bring it into their home. And then they're thinking that, oh, I can train it just like a dog or I can treat it like a cat or sometimes, like you mentioned, they treat mm -hmm. them like a partner, but they don't realize that they're doing that because they don't know because they haven't done the research. So for anyone who's listening, yes. if you're not aware, when you are stroking or petting a parrot on their back, on their wings, you are stimulating their hormones. And basically, you're making them horny. And they're going to view you as their partner. And then that's where like aggression comes from or attacking other people. And so we don't realize. Territorial behaviors. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we sometimes yes. don't realize that we are creating some of these behaviors. Um, but <laughs> be before we run away from all of this, I, yes. I wanted you to share how you helped restore Carl's liver. Uh, well, so we uh, was giving him to drink um, this um, supplement, Silivet. It's from the milk thistle. Oh, yeah. Um, he, was, he was drinking this uh, for like, he's now still drinking it. I still giving uh, Silivet to my birds. One, um, what avian doctor once said to me that birds in the captivity 
will never have a very healthy liver because we are giving them the food that will never be the same, like in the nature. So uh, I'm giving silhouette to my birds like uh, for a month, then I have a stop, a pause like for two, three weeks. And then again, I'm giving the silhouette. Do you give it every day? Uh, of, uh, for uh, two weeks, three weeks, and then I am making a pause for two, three weeks. Uh, and okay. in the cycles, I'm so doing it's every in the day cycles. for two weeks, and then you take a pause yes. for two, three weeks, and then you yes. start again. Uh, okay. And this is a tea, uh, okay. or it's like a liquid that you put in their water? It's a liquid I'm putting in the water. Okay. Uh, but in the uh, post in the post cycles, uh, my parents are not having only water. I am making a lot of herbs, a lot of uh, flower, um, like the, <laughs> um, yeah. like dandelion, dandelion, yeah, dandelion. dandelion, or yes, yes, or some uh, other flowers, uh, because herbs are very, very important for parrot health. And yeah. uh, we have many, many herbs. I'm oregano. Um, my parrots have almost every day access to that herbs because mm -hmm. herbs uh, has those uh, chemicals inside them that can uh, help the liver regrow. So um, I also have pionus parrots. So in my parrot diet, there's a lot of flowers too. Uh, in the season, we every day have flowers. My parents live in the village, so my mother is um, collecting a lot of flowers, um, seeds and uh, grains and everything from the village and she is giving this to, to us. Uh, so I think the most important thing is like uh, herbs because they are very helpful and a lot of people don't know that. Um, yeah. This milk thistle and uh, Carol doesn't have uh, sunflower seeds in the raw um, way. I'm giving the sunflower seeds only uh, sprouted, not okay. raw. And yeah. when I was giving him uh, a nut, uh, like walnuts, um, I also uh, in the walnut was putting uh, vitamins uh, or some droplets of silivet or vitamin D. And uh, the whole nut just was uh, with the Zbomba extra vitamins because um, when I was giving him uh, a walnuts, I saw that he is very into, into this. So I decided yeah. maybe this is can be a good way to give him some more vitamins yeah clever. You know, like like to help and uh, this idea works with our uh, flock uh, always i am um, sometimes i just uh, put the um, shells of the walnuts and took away the walnut and put something else <laughs> inside like you know scrambled banana yeah. or um or pellets or something else and uh, then I put a little bit of those uh, walnuts uh, in, the, in that shell and some vitamins. Oh, come on, you've got uh, walnuts uh, with extra ingredients inside them. Um, <laughs> this awesome. works perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's a really clever way to get those vitamins in, especially if you need to include, you know, certain supplements or herbs into your bird's diet. But as you mentioned, herbs and flowers are very important to include in their diet and sprouts. Sprouts and microgreens are fantastic because I think yes. they have like a hundred times the nutrients or something. So including those are yes. I think, also really important. But with flowers and herbs, 
I know that a lot of people usually struggle, especially when they introduce something new, their birds don't always want to eat it. And we talked about diet mm-hmm. conversion earlier. And you mentioned like starting with fruit or mixing things in with fruit. I've all also suggested to people before, like you can cook sweet potato or you can mash banana and you can like mix it in with, yeah. you know, the fresh veggie chop or with pellets. And then that's a way. Or for even them- with the seeds. Yeah. At first it can be only seeds and make just like, a nutri berry uh, from yeah. the potatoes, mashed yeah. potato. There are so many different ways that like, um, we can offer veggies cooked, or we can offer them chunky chopped, or like very finely diced. And there's so many different ways. But with flowers and herbs, not every bird is going to be like, "Oh, I want to eat this." So sometimes it takes a little bit of time to introduce them to new things. But with your flock, I, yeah. Mm. I I was thinking about those um plants for example like you see we've got something here yeah. and uh, in the season we've got many 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 herbs and grains and everything but um when I first started bringing those kind of plants to home my birds were just like ah what's that what is going on I don't want to know this um is it strange like yeah well take it away from me yeah so um, my concept was um, I uh, had that, uh, you know, ground with those seeds. And when I was um, watching my birds, I realized that they are more interested in the seeds in the ground than in the plant that is growing on. So um, we started to make sprouting seeds and bring them to the ground. And they were just growing like um, microgreens and then a plant. Uh, they are in very uh, big rush because they are eating those um, those sprouting seeds from the ground uh, and they do not uh, let the flower grow, but they are eating this. And that's the most um, amazing thing. Um, sometimes I have to keep some herbs like in the other room and then when they are big enough, I just bring them to, to the living room because my parents also love eating um, leaves like uh, mint leaves. Oh, they smell so good after that. Uh, but sometimes I don't have uh, time uh, to grow those plants because my parents will eat them first. So um, I saw also that this works uh, good with those birds like cockatiels, uh, rosellas, budgies um, that bring the ground to to like some box, uh, something like that, uh, and put to the ground seeds and let them grow. Uh, sometimes birds will get interested more in those seeds growing up than in the uh, greeny leaves or greeny parts of the plants. So um, in the Australian um, birds, it's a very easy way to make birds, um, you know, introduce to to them new sprouting seeds or new sprouting um, even herbs, grains and whatever, Uh, because if they don't, they uh, don't eat that, the plant will grow and maybe they will eat that plant. You don't know that. So you have to still give them a choice. Maybe you want a sprouting seed or maybe you want a microgreen. So maybe you want a, uh, some leaves of that uh, plant. Choose, it, choose, it, choose yourself. Yeah. And if you're, so you mentioned you were growing your herbs and they were interested in the seeds that you were growing. Did you have it in soil or like, what do you mean when you were putting it on the ground? 
Do you mean like you have the seeds already sprouted um, and where they forage in your home, you put it on the ground? Uh, in different ways. Sometimes I'm giving uh, the sprouted seeds, like I've got sprouted seeds in the kitchen and sometimes yeah. I just put them on the, uh, on the soil, right? Uh, I always uh, buy soil without chemicals and all the stuff, just like bio uh, eco uh, soil. Uh, sometimes I put wheat on the soil and the wheat is growing on. Uh, it's like seven days to, to, to grow a beautiful green, uh, something okay. like this. So okay. it's seven days. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not a long time. And uh, sometimes I, um, sometimes I put even, uh, like raw, uh, grains, not, uh, not, uh, soaked, but I know that they will not grow out, but I want parrots to just forage in them and uh, look for something else maybe in there. And do the, speaking of the soil, do they ever eat the soil or is it safe for them to be digging around in the soil? That's their nature. A lot of birds just dig in the soil. And a lot of people ask me the same question, that the soil is dangerous. Okay, maybe. If you buy a soil or the flower from the place that there is a lot of chemicals yeah. because we put a lot of chemical chemicals on the plant yeah. it's normal for us but uh, if you want to have um plants for our birds this is very easy you just buy a soil that is uh without chemicals there is a lot of uh, soils on the internet uh you can just choose uh eco bio whatever and um those uh those plants i am uh i'm giving them i see that they are digging in the ground sometimes they even have that ground in their beak and just like oh now 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 but they do not eat them uh they are just playing they having fun they just eat and maybe look for the ground or maybe there will be some seed uh inside that uh inside the ground because sometimes you have uh, like more um the soil is more like this uh so the Compact. bird is just taking the, the yes yes yeah. just taking this and 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 just chewing uh but they don't eat that birds are not that stupid and um, i think yeah. but i i know that in the houses we make uh, birds stupid we make them stupid because i see this every day every time uh a lot we um we are not giving them fruits uh uh, like the whole fruit because oh you have to bring pieces okay it can be but when you give a, a whole apple to the parrot uh, sometimes the parrot doesn't know what to do with this and it can be a very easy way to forage to play to to enjoy the environment uh, sometimes the um, sometimes we are too I don't want to say safe um, we are very scared of, of this. I see uh, even when I uh, give them uh, like mountain ash, right? Uh, we collect mountain ash in the um, uh, in the September probably. Uh, so I see I, I see a lot of people are scared. Oh, can I give it to the parrots? And when you see a lot of birds eating those fruits, wild fruits outside, uh, you see that they are not harmful for for them. Uh, a lot of uh, our national birds eat those fruits. Of course, parrots are different. We also uh, we always have to keep that in mind. But uh, on the other hand, uh, this is a bird. 
Birds need to fly, birds need to forage, birds need to play, uh, birds dig in the ground, that's completely normal. And sometimes we are treating birds like uh, in the glass box, you yeah. can be uh, like harmed by everything. Everything is can be harmful for, for them. And I, I see that a lot of things can be harmful for them. But uh, when we are talking about nature, uh, yeah, we need to consider that this is animal from the nature, not from our yeah. home. Yeah. Uh, and this is the wild creature. Uh, so uh, when we are not given opportunities for those wild creatures uh, and making them like disabled a little bit, because um, I uh, I had that um, experiment. I will say that, that it will be experiment. Um, you know, this um, plant, fire thorn, uh and this fire thorn has uh spikes so i just took the whole branch of this fire thorn and bring that to our home and there was a lot of uh, very uh big spikes in there like in the roses but a lot a little bit bigger and um stronger so i was uh wondering yes yes okay physically this yes and I was standing just in case if any birds will get harmed. I yeah. was standing and uh, I was uh, watching if any of these birds uh, on my flock will harm themselves on those spikes. And what I saw, um, my Aria uh, wanted to step on that branch and she, she saw that there is a spike. So she moved her leg out and then just choose another way. And when she saw that the spikes are um, can be harmful, she started to chew them out <laughs> just to get to those uh, fruits. So birds are very intelligent. We Sometimes we don't know how much and we have to give those opportunities for them. Of course, it's yeah. very important to, to be careful, to watch them, to, uh, to see if everything is okay, especially when we start to give new things or um, things that can be somehow harmful but uh, what i see from my experience that birds uh, they are so smart they can find a way uh, to not get harmed if they see that something can harm them they start to think how to get rid of this mhm mm i love and that and you made a lot of really good points because at the end of the day they are wild creatures and i always say we want to do things as close to nature intended as possible and look at what are they doing in the wild and how can we mimic that in our homes and you've done that really well and also shared with us a lot of really great tips on how to do that um when it comes to though like you know introducing say new herbs new flowers or even like the soil or fruits or vegetables or any foods that mm -hmm. you're introducing because you know there are some foods that can be toxic to them i always think that it is still a good idea like before you give something new to your bird google research and see like is this something toxic yes like don't leave chocolate out on the table or avocados or something yes. like that because you know, you don't want to take the chance that they might try it and then something's going to happen to them. So it's always good to proceed with caution and do your research. Mm -hmm. And the things that they can have, like you said, offer it to them and they will find ways around it. Like you yes. were mentioning, there was thorns in this. 
It's something safe that I can give to them so that they can forage and try something new and explore. But you also were able to observe like in real time how smart they are because they saw the spikes. They know that this is or the thorns that they can that those can harm them. So they started yes. ripping them out so that they can get to the good stuff. So really great tips. Um, since we're on this topic, I saw that you also did a post on how to teach your parrot to forage and how we talk about this all the time, how foraging yes. is so important because it is something that parrots naturally do and offering foraging opportunities is also a great way to stimulate their minds and offer them meals and food in different ways. So it keeps them busy. It keeps them engaged. They get excited, yes. but Sometimes when we bring a new bird home, they don't always know how to forage. And you talked about this in one of your posts. So can you share for you know, from your own personal experiences with your birds or with the consultations that you do, how can somebody teach their bird to forage? It, the first question, uh, how old is the parrot? Is the parrot alone? This is the first two questions. Oh, Carol just broke the uh, swing he was sitting on. Oh, <laughs> Carolek! <laughs> you can hear, you can hear him laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, we're laughing with you. <laughs> oh, again, Carol, again. Uh, so um, those uh, first two questions: How old is Parrot? Because when a Parrot is young, it's much much easier but when the parrot is old like five six years old it's so hard and uh, the second question is uh, is the parrot single uh, or has another parrot in the flock and mostly all my consultations i've got single kept parrot like uh, six seven or more years old so i've got a lot to do and i always say to my clients um you've got um two ways First way is to um, take another parrot and start to uh, make this process again, like from the beginning, from uh, the very, very beginning. Just uh, start to make this parrot a parrot with the help of the second parrot. Sometimes it works, sometimes not. It's depending on the situation of the bird. Uh, that's why we are this, uh, have those consultations. Uh, sometimes bird is um, brave enough to be uh, good to introduce to second parrot, but sometimes bird can be so uh, scared of everything that I am saying that this is a not good good way to 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 choose this way. And the second way is the middle way, as I'm saying, uh, because um, this is not very popular. But sometimes I offer um to clients that uh, they can send the bird to my flock for uh like a month uh i am calling this like uh, some kind of uh rehab and they are on this rehab <laughs> <laughs> yes yes uh so um so they are here learning how to be parrot again and then i am taking them to the client again um, this is the way that a lot of people are scared of uh, because they don't want to uh, be separated with parrots. And I understand that. But sometimes I've got very difficult situations and very difficult parrots. And I am uh, telling um, the truth that maybe you are like this owner. You will not be able to do this alone. I've got that um, very bad uh, 
very bad situation with one parrot. It was a four-year-old African grey without any feathers, like only feathers she yeah. was having. It was like here, and she was naked without uh, tail, flying wing, nothing. It was nothing there. And she was that scared that um, coming to the carton box that uh, it was supposed to be a foraging box in future, um, she she was scared of this carton box for a um, month. So coming close to this, uh, this carton box was too much for her. So I, mm. I told that uh, owner that it will be very, very hard uh, way to make uh, her a bird again. Um, but this is not my choice. So the owner needs to decide if he wants to um, send the parrot to me for like a few weeks, month. It depends. And uh, the third way is to, you have to be a parrot. If you don't have a parrot and you don't want to have a parrot, you have to be a parrot. That's the simple uh, understanding. Uh, I always um, have this question. Oh, my parrot doesn't want to eat fruits and veggies. But when I have my dinner, the parrot is uh, uh, wanting to my dinner. And I'm saying, mm, you don't see the pattern? Like, uh, the parrots are flock animals. They're learning from you. I, yes, and the flock, if you are the part of the flock and you eat, so um, this is the food for the entire flock, right? It's the normal understanding for parrots. It's, it's completely normal for parrots. And for us, it's just like, oh, you don't want to eat from this bowl. No, because it's not the bowl of the flock. You are the part of the flock and you are very important part of the flock if you are uh, alone with the birds. So mm -hmm. um, you have to eat veggies. You have to eat uh, fruits. Uh, sometimes I'm saying uh, it's very important to do your own toys because when a parrot uh, is... Um, is watching how the toys are made, that the elements are saved, that you can um, have those elements in your hands and you manipulate them. The parrot is thinking, oh, you are playing. The parrot doesn't think that you are making this toy. You are playing with this. So making your own toys is very important for the parrot to understand that those kind of things are for play. But if you buy a, a, a toy from the shop and you just bring it home and just throw it to the cage, parrot doesn't know what is that. You didn't even have any interaction with this uh, toy. So why do you expect me to, to have those interactions, right? Yeah. So uh, with everything we have in, with parrots, we always have to think that we are flock animals. Uh, if you do, I do. So, yeah. um, so I think like maybe we just have to start from this with everything that we have uh, with parrots. Yeah. We are flock. We are together. I love that point because that's actually something that I've done with Mia countless times. Every time I would get her like a new game where it's like a puzzle and she has to pull something out in order to get to the inside of where, you know, I've put like the treats or the flowers or the dried fruits and dried veggies, then I always... First, the first thing that I usually do is I put it out so that she can see it. And sometimes mm -hmm. she's really excited and she gets right into it. And other times she just looks at it sometimes like for a week, sometimes for a month even. Mm -hmm. So I just leave it out and I let her get to the point where she's comfortable with it. But in the meantime, I also show her how to use it. So I find that yeah. a lot of yeah. times she uses it faster and gets more excited after she's seen me do it. So like for the... There's this puzzle toy. Hold on, I'll bring it. It's green with those uh, red bugs? Yes. 
I saw it on Instagram. Yeah, the the bugging out toy. So this one, she was actually really like not enticed by it. Like she was looking at it from a distance for like a month, but I kept it out. And every so often I would move these around and I would show her how to use it. Mm -hmm. And I've done this with other foraging toys or foraging boxes that I got her. And this one took her the longest, but now I have to say that this one is her favorite. But what I did is I would show her that these move Yes, and she would works. watch yes. me open and close these. She would watch me slide these over and over time she flew over here and she literally, it's like she knew what to do. She started moving these around, getting everything that was inside. Yes. And this is one of her favorite toys now. But I've also gotten her these like boxes with lids and she has to open the lid and then get what's inside. So at first she was looking at this like, what do you want me to do with it? So I would open and close it and I would show her when I open it, I take the nut out. And then, you know, she learned by watching me that this is what I'm yes. supposed to do with these toys. So I love those points. Yes. And foraging is really important and providing those opportunities for our toys is real or for our birds is really important. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to loop back to hormones because we were talking about hormones yes. earlier and then we jumped back to liver and diet and all that stuff. And yes. Um, we were talking about hormones and I wanted to ask you about Fiona because you mentioned that Fiona came to you. She was really hormonal um, and she had an implant. Mm -hmm. And I've heard about these implants, mm -hmm. especially for birds who get really amped up with their hormones. Now, if um, someone's listening and you're learning about hormones uh, right now, hormonal season usually happens in spring. It can also happen in fall. And hormones are also referred to as hormones because it's not the most pleasant time of the year, probably parents oh, no. hate this season because birds get a lot more aggressive they get more a lot territorial and if they are in a mated pair they can also lay eggs and start mating and things like that so tell us a little bit about you know like dealing with hormones but I also want to know if these implants work like did they help mm, Fiona yes. Yes, they they work, uh, okay. but it depends. It depends on the um, individual because the implant can work like two weeks or six months, so you don't know. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, implant is one thing, but the second thing, if you just put the implant into parrot and just uh, then bring them home and act the same as before implant, uh, you are not doing uh, doing good, right? Because yeah. you have to change the environment. Implant is the, the um, the last thing we had to do, if the parrot is very aggressive, very angry, very territorial, and we don't have any options to work with that parrot, then implant is uh, needed. Uh, right now, I've got uh, that situation in my consult uh, because I've got one um, parakeet that uh, is that aggressive that first is implant, and then we have these consultations because um, parrot right now is that aggressive that uh, she made a um, nest in the fridge. So nobody can uh, go to the fridge. On top uh, of the fridge. Uh, on the fridge and inside the fridge. When somebody opens the fridge, parrot comes inside and just um, sit like on the nest uh, on the cheese. Oh my and gosh. When the 
And when the fridge is closed, Parrot is sitting on the fridge and waiting for someone to open that fridge and attacking everyone uh, coming into that fridge. So, <laughs> yes. So uh, this situation uh, needs implant. It's the first thing. We, I cannot, uh, we cannot work with Parrot in that state because Parrot is um, not thinking clearly. Um, hormones are making Parrot frustrate, aggressive. Yeah. And um, any training in that um, time uh, will be not that good as if we just try it with um, calmer parrot after implant. Um, so the first thing is implant, uh, but also is the last thing. Uh, so at first, when somebody comes to me and saying, okay, my parrot is hormonal, right now I've got plenty of this. Um, I didn't know that I will have that um, that much uh, of work uh, in the season, the hormonal season. But I'm really shocked how many people just don't know how to work with, with yeah. parents and just yeah. how to act. Um, and first thing we have to understand: um, hormonal season is a normal season. Uh, sexual yeah. behavior is a normal sexual behavior. Every healthy parrot has sexual behaviors. It's normal. So first of all, we have to accept that. I yeah. know that it's not easy, but first thing, uh, we, we just cannot make like with dogs or cats, uh, just go to the surgery and then you have uh, uh, animal that have no hormonal issues at all. Never. No. Um, unfortunately, we don't have that. Uh, so um, we have to work with the environment before the hormonal season. And uh, right now I've got three hormonal birds at my home. Um, Fiona. Of course, um, but Fiona is not masturbating. Fiona is only um, screaming uh, in that way, uh, just calling a partner. Uh, it's uh, it's not that uh, bad because it's Fiona's parrot, so the scream is not um, not bad. But it's um, it can be a long way uh, because she can scream like for half an hour and then stop, and again for half an hour. So I'm trying to make her. Um, activities uh new activities i'm waiting for new branches right now so i hope it will help uh so we have fiona we have booba and with booba it's uh, a very different uh, situation here um i'm not sure if i am doing right but from my experience with her uh it works so i uh, keep that um uh, because she is allowed here to have a nest uh in the closet because when I destroyed that nest, she was worse, much worse. She was screaming, attacking. She was territorial. She was just like a little devil. And I realized, okay, maybe you need that nest. So I made a um, small carton bo box uh, in, the, in the closet. And now when she uh, is uh, like after the breakfast and after first playing uh, in the flock, she wants to go to that nest. Uh, so I open the closet and she's coming uh, to the closet and she sits there for an hour and then she comes out of the closet and it's just a perfect parrot again. So uh, it took me a few years to make this strange kind of um, practice because I know that nesting uh, is not good. Parrots should not have a nest, but sometimes Sometimes nest helps, uh, but it's a very, again, individual uh, because some parrots are feeling uh, this um, 
this willing of having nests and it's more important for anything like you can give foraging toys you can give uh, less uh, food you can make a lot of activities but the parrot still want that nest so um i'm leaving uh, this uh, opportunity to my booba and i left her this decision if you want to go to that nest all right go sit there i am not complaining but uh, we have a flock so she's sitting there for an hour and then hmm, i really want to go back to the flock something is going on during the flock i don't want to sit here in the nest alone so she is coming back to the flock but i know that this practice would not work uh in the single capped parrot because single capped parrot doesn't have anything to do except being the nest my parrot has something to do so i allow her to have that nest for an hour in a day uh, but you see uh, every bird is different so uh, talking about hormones is mm, right now mm, the most interesting uh, topic i uh, have and i really want to um, make some research in this um, because when people says about this nesting and about this territorial behavior and so on and so on i see that um we cannot make just one practice for them yeah. uh, because it doesn't work. And oh, and Carol, uh, Carol is the um, last hormonal bird in my home. And I've got the same situation here. Um, he is masturbating. And okay, when he's doing this once a day, that's good. If you want to do this, it's hormonal season. Okay, I, I la uh, let him do this once a day in the morning. When he wakes up, it's the first thing he do. He does. Uh, so uh, Hold, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. just ask you to explain to anybody who's listening and doesn't know what a parrot masturbating looks like. Can you explain what does cuddle do to do this act? Um, a lot of parrots just take toy, but cuddle uh, for his life he didn't have toys, so he has to work with this what he had and uh he's just taking his one wing put this wing uh in front of him and starts to you know yeah uh, yes this hormonal dance as we say um but uh when yes carol carol is talking right now uh he knows, <laughs> he knows talking we're talking about, about him, him. Yeah. Carolac. yes yes <laughs> And when it's, uh, just once a day, I let him because I see that he's um, less nervous, um, less territorial, less aggressive. I know that helps, you know, people do this too. Uh, but uh, last year, um, hormonal season was very, uh, very strange because uh, he was masturbating like seven times per day. Oh my God. So, Yes, his wing was completely destroyed. Like he um, just destroyed all the flying feathers with with, with uh, his feet. And uh, when he started to do this a lot, a lot and more, I realized, okay, that's not healthy. Seven times per day, it's not completely healthy. So I uh, stopped uh, touching him uh, at all. Like I was not even going to, to his cage. Uh, only to change bowls, to change food. But I stopped um, going to his territorial area. I stopped uh, touching him. I stopped um, 
even talking to him. I was just only singing sometimes and whistling, uh, but uh, it was like, you know, 10, 15 minutes per day, not like hours. And I see a lot of people sit hours and hours with his uh, African grace. And there is a problem. And I uh, see that African grace are very, very sensitive with those hormonal um, issues. When you touch uh, African gray in the hormonal season, they got very quickly uh, horny, very quickly. Uh, so in the hormonal season, I touched Carol, like, you know, in the mm, safe areas, but only mm-hmm. five five minutes per day. Yeah. I uh, I have this contact with him, but this is vocal contact. Um, and I... I also uh, realized that this vocal um, contact is more important than the physical one. But a lot of people think that this is the opposite way. Uh, if the parrot is tamed, uh, it can be or she be touched everywhere, right? So this parrot is tamed. Yeah, it can be tamed. Great, fantastic. But it's uh, not great for this parrot because she trusts me very much. But I can do everything with her, and including hormonal stuff. So if I will not be careful with this, I can make a lot of damage to her, her behavior, right? Right. But parrot can parrot can also be um, close to you, not even with the physical touch. Like you see right now, I've got six birds. Any bird is sitting on my shoulder. I have none here, right? Uh, so some, somebody can say, there's no birds here. But my birds have better things to do than sitting on my shoulder. Uh, I always said that. Parrot sitting on the shoulder is not a happy uh, parrot. It can be for a while, but parrots are not constructed to sit on the shoulders. They are constructed to fly, forage, play, have fun, and be active. So um, uh, in the hormonal season, uh, it's very important to not to touch parrots. You can make a very great relationships with them only by vocalizations. You can um, teach a parrot a new song in that time. You can teach parrot dance. You can pe- oh, I can show you. Good. Okay. You know me? Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> and Carol started to. So um, we started to dance with Booba. Uh, and I uh, saw that she's getting hormonal. I wanted her to be active in that um, close way. Like, okay, you you are horny, you are excited. Maybe we can do something else than making eggs and nest. Like, having fun. And um, that works with her. Uh, but this nest, she has that nest. And I am not uh, hiding that information. But I'm also very aware that uh, it will not work uh, in homes of other people. I know that. So I'm not saying this out loud very often because I'm scared that maybe some people will... Uh, just follow me in that way. Uh, that's why I'm saying that there's a different situation when you've got a flock. Uh, it's different work when you've got a, a flock or different work when you've got a single cat parrot or even a pair. Because uh, even in the pair, you think, oh, this parrot has this character, this personality. But when you bring um, other parrots to this pair, you will see that this parrot will have another um another feelings, another behaviors, another, maybe another personality. It's just yeah. like with people, right? You can just um, close two people in the elevator, right? The same species, 
small uh, area, so uh, it can be good, right? They can talk to each other. But what if one is from PO and one is from peace? This uh, um, Polish government I'm, I'm talking about right now. So uh, it's PO and it's peace. Uh, so uh, they will not get along with each other, right? It, it can be the same with parrots. You can have the same species, but one can be more uh, introvert and the second one can be a brave, energetic bird. So you think, okay, they got those kind, those kind of personalities. But when you bring a third or fourth or five birds to them, you will see that they are so different. Uh, just like us, uh, you can act uh, differently, uh, different, differently when you are uh, with your uh, partner. You act uh, in other way when you are with your family, uh, with your friends from school, or maybe your friends from work. So mm -hmm. you have a lot of personalities. Uh, you can just show them to other um, to other creatures, and parrots got the same. They can be like that in this uh, with this parrot, but can be so much different with other parrots. I think that those are all really important things. And when it comes to like the hormones, I know that this is something that's very difficult for a lot of people. And you touched on a lot of really good points, including that you need to also provide things for your bird to do other than get like, you know, so wrapped up in the hormones, like they need to have, you know, mental stimulation and physical exercise and ways to exert that energy in another way, which brings me to your whole setup in your apartment. I know you've posted pictures on Instagram. You have a poop area on the floor. Yeah. You've got tons yeah. of perches, tons of swings, tons of toys and they just have like this paradise in your apartment especially in your living room like there is just an infinite amount of things for them to do and places to hang out so can you give us your tips of like if you want to create this kind of bird paradise in your living room or in a bird room or mm -hmm. in a specific area in your home what are things that people should incorporate to make it as interactive, engaging, and fun for them as possible? Mm, first, it depends on the bird species. Uh, because okay. uh, all I've got, uh, the birds I've got, they've got the small tails, right? That is African grey and Pionis flowers. They've got small tails. Okay. So um, I can just make a lot of toys because their um, tails will not be destroyed. But if you've got Matal, Conor, Green Cheeks, they've got longer tails, right? So yeah. if you want to make um, some playground area, uh, I always recommend to make some to climb because um, birds can climb very well. And if you make just like a one wall for climbing only, it is very good for parrots with long tails. And uh, again, uh, species, right? If you've got cockatiels, rosellas, uh, cockatoos, you make another uh, playground than if you've got just like birds from South uh, America because cockatoos uh, forage on the ground, uh, cockatiels forage on the ground, rosellas and uh, all the Australian birds, they forage on the ground. So um, I always uh, says that if you see the parrot is foraging in the cage in some way, just make many ways. Just see what product is doing and then try to make more and more opportunities. We've got this um, <laughs> um, like that. I love uh, it. 
I still think that there is not enough toys. Yeah. There's like 87 toys. Uh, no, I, I I really think right now there's empty uh, here because I want branches. I want fresh branches, the mm. first willow, fresh birds. Then, then it can be part of paradise. Right now, it's just like a good, good playground. It depends on the parrot. Again, my uh, booba, as I said, she doesn't have a, a part of her leg. So uh, all the playgrounds I was uh, making, they were just on the tables, on the uh, closet. Uh, they are still not anything is moving, like any swings and uh, any toys, because it was better for her. Uh, she was uh, laying on the back, and then she was playing with something. Uh, so she has uh, that kind of uh, playground. Uh, my boys, as I said, they are monkeys. Uh, so they need a lot of to to hang to to destroy to to chew to to climb they love it and the the i think i use a lot of cork wood because yes. cork wood is amazing i really yeah. love cork wood but i also have uh pine cones and a lot of uh, different cones in different sizes um yeah, wood, a lot of wood, a lot of paper, zigzag paper, or um, this is cleaner <laughs> willow, yeah, wicker, wicker, and a lot of wicker. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's great yes. too. <clears throat> yeah, I also like hanging up like a lot of ropes, like sisal rope, or like you know different types of mm -hmm. yeah. Different types of toys. But I've got a problem with those uh, long nails of my parrots. So I decided not to make ropes. Uh, I switched to purchase. And now I've got uh, like three. I love the purchase. Purchase uh, hang on the ceiling. Yes. And this is great because I just took them from uh, from uh, from the ground. Like I, I didn't bought them. I just I just found them. And I from the outdoors. Oh, they're looking Yes, they're looking great. I want to try them. Um, of course, it's safe food. Yeah. I, of course, I clean that. Uh, but uh, but they are very very great right now. I I think yeah. that maybe I will ch I will change one of them in the season. Uh, but only that's uh, why because parrots just almost eat that. Yeah, they destroy it. But if anybody is listening, please remember that if you're going to take branches or wood from the outdoors, it has to be safe wood that's safe for your birds. And it has to be cleaned properly before you introduce it into your bird's environment. Yeah, exactly. Um, awesome. I love all this stuff. We're going to wrap up very soon because we're just having so much fun. Before I ask my last few questions, let everybody know yes. how they can find you, how they can find you on social media. And if they were interested in doing consultations with you, how they can find you. Oh, uh, huh. So uh, we've got uh, this uh, Parrot Disaster page. This is the page of our flock when I share our life uh, in this personal life. And uh, we are on the Facebook and Instagram. And uh, then there's another page, Master of Parrot Disaster, that is only me and me saying uh, smart stuff about parrots. <laughs> and this is the account. Uh, yes, this is the account where you can um, ask for consultations or ask for anything you've got problem with. 
and then uh, this is also on Facebook and Instagram. Then we are on YouTube. Uh, this is YouTube called Parker Planet. And there I, well, I do many stuff there. Uh, we just try um, different products. We test them. We are talking about behavior. We are talking about training, about diet. We have this uh, Parker Kitchen playlist. And we have uh, also what I'm proud of um, to playlist um, with uh, conversations, with uh, interviews, with uh, doctors or behaviorists and with the owners. I also want to quickly mention um, earlier we were talking about liver and you mentioned milk thistle and these vitamin drops and all these different things. For anybody who is listening, just in case, always first go see your avian vet to make sure that oh, yes, you know, the yes, dosages yes. and everything that you're providing or giving your parent are the right things specifically for what their bodies need. So don't just go giving your bird, you know, milk thistle or, you know, certain for types of life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> make sure you check with an avian vet. Um, I also wanted to ask you in regards to your consultations, what is the most common problem that you find people have with their birds? Like what is the top two, like number one and number two issues or problems that people book consultations with you about? The first and main problem is disturbed flock structure. Parents can be, um, owners can be parents. But also the parrot can have this concept, oh, you're touching me there and there. So maybe we are like partners. Yeah. So right now in the homeowner season, the, mm, the biggest issue is this the third flock construct, uh, construct because parrot doesn't know what is going on in the flock. Parrot doesn't understand what uh, is this uh, position in the flock. Parrot doesn't understand uh, what the human wants from parrot because one uh, once you touch the parrot and second one you scream at the parrot and the third one uh, you, you do is close parrot in the case and go out to do your job. So the parrot has many, many misconcepted um, uh, information and the parrot is getting frustrated and aggressive. And I'm not only talking about biting, but uh, about this whole um, behavior. Parrot is Got frustrated, it. is very angry and <clears throat> and it can be the biggest problem right now because in hormonal season, uh, this issue is going worse and worse and worse. Uh, if we are not following the rules, how to um, be, uh, how to behave uh, in the hormonal season, we are just in the easiest way to go to the uh, consult and do the zoopsychologist because a parrot doesn't know how how to uh, behave, what to do, what people want from me. And this type of aggression is the, the, the first thing I see. And um, right now on my consultations, uh, the most seen birds are African greys, um, green chick corners. And I was shocked about green chick corners, really. Uh, I'm I shocked. Got many, yeah, many people are with green chick corners. Um, about aggression, again, uh, green chick corners are very aggressive uh, during the hormonal season, very. And a lot of people doesn't know how to work with these birds, especially when they are so small. And when the bird is just doing something here, it, you are scared because you can hurt the parrots too right now uh, when you want to get rid of your head or your eyes or your mouth. And um, those birds with this small size, 
can be very stressful because you don't know how to just take this parrot away from you. It's easier with Mako. Just put your shoulder and Mako will fly away or you can just put the Mako down. But with green chick colors, they're just like hanging on you. They're, they are still there. So um, people don't know how to work with this. Yeah. And Quaker uh, parrots also. And of course, my favorite ones, Amazon parrots. They are my favorite aggressive birds. And I, I I see that a lot of people call them aggressive birds. And sometimes I catch myself on this, uh, that I call them aggressive uh, on the Facebook group too. Um, of course, they are not aggressive, but they are too smart, too intelligent, and too emotional to be kept alone. And that's why they end up aggressive. And of course, um, in the hormonal season, um, aggressive Amazon parrot is like a flying devil that can um, hurt you very badly. Like I saw ears uh, chewed up in the half uh, and uh, people like were- Like an ear uh, bit off? Yes. <gasps> yes, or, or in pieces or, um, or some, some lady I knew, uh, she lost her feeling in the ear because nerves were destroyed. Um, so Amazon parrots in the hormonal season, uh, so they are that aggressive that I don't, I don't really, uh, I, I don't like working with Amazons really. Um, I love oh them God. because they are so emotional, so smart, so so intelligent, but. They are also too smart. Like I, I see that they, they are just like selfish little creatures that they are frustrated of everything people done to them that they want to revenge. Uh, I see Amazons like that in the hormonal season very often. And when people send me videos or send me um, wounds after Amazon parrots, I'm sometimes I'm in shock. Uh, and of course, it can be a parrot that you love loves you for the whole year. And in the hormonal season, you just got the uh, ear uh, in the half. Right? Oh my so, gosh, that's yeah. crazy. I had no idea that Amazons were that intense. And I think yes. a lot of like the conversations that we've had today, it also comes down to like specific species, like different species of parrots are going to be a little bit different in their behaviors, in hormonal yes. season, in the types of toys that they like and so on yes, and so forth. So, yes, yes. Yeah. It's, and even like the foraging behaviors, like it's different for every different species. And so that's why it always comes down to doing your research and really getting yes. to know the types of species that you want to have or that you already have at home. Um, all right, we'll wrap things up, but I wanted to ask you two more questions. And the first one is, I know you have a lot of different, you have three different species at home and you've worked with a lot of different species. You've worked with galahs and yes. cockatoos and macaws and conures, yes. and you've got, um, an African gray and pionis and jardines. And I wanted to know, can you tell us what is your favorite species of parrots? Do you have one? Mm. Yes, I have. Um, yes, I, I had that uh, luck that I could work with uh, like 50 or more species of parrots. Uh, I met uh, almost 400 parrots in my life right now. 
Wow. So I, yeah, I have, I have my favorite and of course uh, Macaos. I really love Macaos and I am a Macau person. And in my life, my life will be completed when I will have a Macau. Um, I've got one special Macau in my Algeria when I was working and I hope to, to adopt this Macau uh, one, one perfect day. Uh, of course, with this with this partner, two two macos, but uh, one just stole my heart. And I feel macos very very much. Like uh, sometimes I'm calling myself like um, a human maco because um, they are emotional. I'm emotional. I really understand what they are doing. I feel I feel and understand what they are thinking about. Um, and I've got this only with macaws. When I see macaws' eyes, I I know what is going on. And the, those birds are the easiest for me to work with. And of course, as macaws, yeah, as macaws, as of course goes uh, conures and green chip conures and so on, because they've got the bash, <laughs> because they've got the same um, body language. But I'm not into colors and uh, green colors. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I like big birds. I like big birds. And yes, all my um, bird lovers I've got in my aviary, uh, it was only my house, only. And uh, I I used to have like six, seven macros on, on me and just walking with them on the aviary. And I was like the queen of the birds. <laughs> <laughs> Queen uh, of I the Macaws. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I never like African greys and cockatoos. But you I have an African grey. Yeah, yeah, that's the accident. I didn't want that. <laughs> and because you have an African grey, I've heard that they're very dusty birds and they produce a lot of powder. Yes. Do yes. you find that yes. like cattle produces a lot of powder compared yes. to your other birds? Yes. Oh my gosh. Huh. Yeah. is like uh, um walking uh dust. Walking dust or walking makeup. You wanna have a great skin, not uh, flashy, put African gray on your face. It will be perfect. So uh when you've got um African gray and as of right now I've got the black uh, blouse. If I put the uh, if I put cattle here. I would just get a white face. So yes, and I don't like this dust. Um, I'm not allergic, but if I have Carol near my face like for half an hour, uh, it's it's not good for me. I don't like it, and yeah. I don't like the body language. Um, cockatoos have black eyes, and I don't see anything in those black eyes. And in African greys, I just see golden eye with this. Um, black dot and i'm not uh i i just don't know if i will get bitten or not uh this african so it's hard to read them because of their eyes yes the eyes in cockatoos but african grays are very very intelligent but this intelligence with this um relationships like they can be uh angry with you like you know the the, the African Grey can make something to just make you feel bad for a moment. And then it's okay. You know, the, the this mixed mixed feelings they have sometimes. Yeah. And I had to I had to learn how to um 
how to uh, see Carol and what, what is going on in his mind. I, I think I'm good right now with him, but it was very hard for me in the beginning because I always knew I don't want African Grey as my home. Um, I've never wanted African Grey. Uh, so I've never even just uh, put some effort to understand that body language because I knew that I will not need that, right? Oh so. my gosh. I love their red tails. Does Cattle yeah. talk a lot? Does he have really good talking abilities? Uh, no. No, he doesn't uh, talk a lot? Really. Uh, he talks, but um, not very much. Like for an African gray, it's not a lot. Um, as you see. <gasps> oh my gosh, white. what a difference. And I can see all the dust on your black sweater. Holy and now heck. I can tell you, two hours ago, he was buffing and all the dust was just thrown away. So this is after buffing him two hours ago. So just imagine uh, without buffing, I will be just white. Oh it's completely my white. gosh, uh, that's so, crazy. Uh, yeah, that's so important to bath your African grays and cockatoos. And I see a lot of people um, don't do this because, oh, my parrot is scared of water. Uh, of course, it can be worked out, but uh, people don't bath. Uh, they are dusty parrots and this is not good for your lungs, not good for parrot lungs and not good for the everything because everything is white. So... All right, last question, and then we'll wrap things up because we've already been chatting for quite a long yeah. time. Can you, I know you've written a lot of books, and I saw that in your books, yeah. you also share some fun facts about parrots. Can you share, like, your favorite or most interesting fun facts about parrots that we might not know? I think, personally, uh, that cockatoos biting are the worst. Um, I was bitten by many parrots many i know that the uh, macaw bite is hard but cockatoo bite is slightly different because uh, cockatoo has these three points one from uh, the up and two from down uh, as you will see the cockatoo beak the lower mandible is um in two in two spikes but this spikes oh. and that hurts i'll much worse this, uh, that, than the macro biting. I think maybe uh, maybe some people have another um, experience. Unfortunately, when I started working, um, I was bitten by macros in the, in the face, in the ear, and I also got the scar here because I've got this um, uh, wound. I, I just want to say uh, at the same uh, ending that uh, the relationship with Farad it can be amazing. It can be because it's so much fun. They are fun birds. They are funny animals. They love to play. They love to be happy. They are meant to be happy, as I see. Yeah. Um, so if we want to be happy with them, uh, we have to work for this happiness, uh, eat better, um, have this opportunity to, uh, to make stuff together. It can be a really great adventure for the whole life. Birds live a lot a of time. Uh, years so yes so you can make this uh, whole life uh, with the birds and make this beautiful relationship friendship uh, with birds but it just takes time just like in a relationship with humans you cannot have friends that you are not having time with so if you want to have a parrot that will be your friend just make this 
friendship, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast Thank and you. sharing all of this information with us because I know that I learned quite a few things and I'm sure everybody else will love this episode too. Thank you for having me. I was my little to be here. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to the Pear Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra from Poodles and Parrots. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, have a awesome day and we'll see you in the next one. Oh, and one more thing. This podcast is presented solely for educational and entertainment purposes. I'm not a licensed avian vet, behaviorist, or professional expert in parrots. The information provided is not intended as a substitute for professional advice from a qualified avian vet, trainer, or behaviorist. Please consult with a specialist for personalized guidance on your specific situation.